Hey guys, I'm back with another podcast episode for you. This episode I think is really important. I'm going to be talking about how and why artists need to adapt to an ever-changing world. And yes, this is kind of inspired by Copper. I suppose it was um it came about through Copper and it got me thinking so I am going to talk about copper in this video because I know a lot of people are scared about it and they've been asking me what I think about the situation. Um, they're looking for advice, they're looking for support, you know, emotionally. And I'm not going to get into too many specifics about it because the information that's coming out about it keeps changing and being updated. So maybe even just weeks from now or even days from now, the information we have today could be uh, outdated, I should say. Um, if somehow you haven't seen anything about Copper and you need introducing to it, the links are in the description where you can catch up on it. I also want to take it beyond Copper because even if it doesn't seem like it right now because we're in it and it does seem so massive and final and it's big and scary, but years from now it won't be relevant but this podcast will still be up online for people to listen to and to learn from and also if you think that copper is just one isolated incident and after this we can all just relax and the animation community will face no more challenges well i'd say you're wrong there and that you haven't been looking at history more on that in in a second I got to first say that any advice I give about copper or yeah anything related to that is not legal advice it is just more like one friend talking to another it's all informal and I recommend that everyone cover their backs get yourself an LLC which is a limited liability company I recommend or just yeah I think that's the first step to protection legal protection um, because then if you were to get sued they they sue your business they don't sue you as a person and also get get professional legal advice if you can afford it and um, it's worth the money to give you peace of mind um, that's certainly what I'm going to do even though I don't think I will be badly affected by culpa at least not directly I will be indirectly, of course, because it affects everyone indirectly, at least. But yeah, it's still worth doing just to give you peace of mind so that you can sleep at night. And if you're absolutely broke, then there are some free legal resources online. There are lawyers who have YouTube channels who are very kind in giving out free information and advice about this. Just remember that the, the internet is international so the the law isn't localized to your country if you are getting legal advice online um, the law might change depending on what country you, you're based in um, so now anyway on to talking about the broader topic I want to make this more about this topic of adapting to an ever-changing world so I touched on earlier how history shows that we're going to keep on having challenges and that's okay because every industry has its challenges everyone has their ups and downs it's a fact of life it's a thing that happens when you're alive um, so the important thing is to just have a kind of stoic attitude about it and to be calm but also be switched on be alert so anyway I'll get into these now um, I'll just date back to, yes, I think I'll start with the invention of the Xerox machine. So if you look in animation history, this marks a pretty big shift in 2D animation. When the Xerox machine was created, was invented and started to be used by Walt Disney, this put masses of the animation workforce out of jobs. So it was 
It was great for business, it was a move forward in technology, but it was terrible for the artists at the bottom of that production line. A Xerox machine is kind of like a photocopier, and it meant that key animators could could draw the key drawings and they wouldn't have to be cleaned up as much and they wouldn't uh they could have everything as a black outline and they didn't need as many staff to do cleanup and coloring and, and those kind of processes so that's one that sticks out in my mind as being a big industry shift that was really for the better it was um looking back at it it was a good thing but it it did disrupt the industry and a lot of people were made redundant from it so that was a big hit um fast forward a little bit we have pixar we have people like ed catmull developing 3d animation the 3d animation revolution that came after that toy story so massive titans of the animation industry Disney Pictures, DreamWorks. They set a trend in Hollywood cinema saying that basically they chose to have 3D over 2D. And really, if you think about it, it's hard to have both going at the same time. Uh, it's That's just not very effective. So they kind of had to choose one, I think. But of course, I disagree with their decision. If you look at something like The Prince of Egypt, how beautiful that film is and how timeless it is that will that will always look beautiful the prince of egypt will always be just excellent in quality uh if you look at shrek or something shrek is very is great well-written storytelling but the visuals are dated now uh so anyway i disagree with that but it happened the 3d animation revolution happened Again, we have a lot of the 2D animation workforce. Um, some of them changed and they actually changed to become 3D animators. And some of them went into other things, went into advertisement and other industries. And I think probably the 2D animation, animation industry got smaller. A lot of them went into TV animation. You can see that with um, animators like James Baxter, legendary animator and he he worked in television more because that's an industry where 2d animation was still doing better than 3d animation and then you had some who i don't know maybe changed careers completely but it, it made a big change and it was a big knock to 2d animation it was enough of a knock to 2d animation to make some people think that 2D animation was dying, or at least get that in their heads, um, put the doubt in their heads. I strongly disagree with that, but it had to be quite a big change to create that impression. Uh, let's fast forward again uh, onto the internet era when animation was happening on the internet, but before YouTube, the big site for animation was Newgrounds. Long story short, Newgrounds was a safe haven for animators. Uh, it had everything animators could want. But because Newgrounds stood by their philosophy of freedom of speech, Google deemed it unfit for advertisement and decided to starve Newgrounds of its revenue. That's taking a very big, complex story and just making it very in a nutshell. So that again you had a migration of animators uh, a lot of them moved to youtube because they just couldn't make any meaningful meaningful revenue on new grounds um and you probably had some who were un unwilling to do that and maybe they quit or or were put off to the point i don't know i didn't know any that quit from it i don't think it was that big of a deal but it certainly impacted online animations, web gen animation, animators, I suppose you could call them. Okay, let's go forward again. When YouTube's algorithm changed from views to watch time, that was a bad time for animators. 
due to the animation process being time consuming, it meant that ad revenue on its own was no longer going to cut it for animators who would spend months on a single minute of animation. So there, that's something that I was part of. I suppose that those last two are things that I was part of. Um, I, I don't suppose I, I th no, I wasn't part of them, but I was affected by them, I think. And that's actually one reason YouTube's algorithm change that I started making these kind of YouTube videos, which weren't just me posting my animations, but actually making videos about animation. So actually something good came of that for me, at least. I, I was able to find a way to, to change my approach and actually benefit from that shift. Next, we have another YouTube related one, which was the Adpocalypse, as it was called, I think. And I think this was where this very rudimentary, untested machine learning algorithm just rampaged around YouTube, demonetizing all sorts of videos that didn't deserve to be demonetized. And that's interesting, like, because the crazy thing about Culpa, in my opinion, is this feeling of whiplash that creators have gotten from it. Like, for years now, YouTube has been really incentivizing child-friendly content and discouraging adult content. And suddenly, it has, to com it has completely flipped the opposite way, where creators are going to be brutally punished, perhaps, or at least it seems that way, for child-targeted content. No wonder everyone's angry and scared and confused at this. It's a complete 180. And so these have all been challenges for 2D animators to overcome in the timeline of 2D animation. I'm sure there were more dating back before that. I mean, if you look at traditional 2D animation, they had their technology was so much more difficult to use film stock is like really expensive you know versus digital storage space things like that uh, so i can even think of more but those are just maybe some to think about so what can we learn from the past well for one thing 2d animation has taken so many massive hits over time and it's still here and i think that is because 2d animation has value it has real value, I think. And while there are major events which do knock it, as long as it has real value and it has a place, it has a purpose, if it's a need in society, then I believe it will get back up from these things. And that I think that only happens if we if we're still here. You know, we still have to be here making animations for people who need them. And number two, what we can learn from the past is that changes like these are going to keep happening because we live in a changing world. New things get developed. Nothing is at a standstill. Anything is subject to change. And it's something we need to deal with and be smart about and flexible about. So I've been thinking about this in terms of the natural world, you know, if you look at anthropology or, yeah, anthropology is the study of people or the natural world, conservation, uh, Planet Earth is a great documentary series that I highly recommend and I, I get a lot of my ideas, my ideas from that. You start to notice some things and you can use them and apply them in this subject. The way a species survives to and, and adapts to the world, it changes through evolution. And that's the way that a certain species can carry on its, uh, its genetic information along generations and preserve it. So that's kind of the goal with a, with a species, you know? And for us, I suppose you could say that's the medium of animation. I... I feel like an ambassador for animation. I I care very much about animation. I like it. I'm a huge consumer for one thing, but I'm also a producer and I, well, you guys know that. 
So some ideas I had, I've got three bullet points about survival in nature and, and evolution. And, uh, and I'm going to, after I've listed them, I will go into them in more detail. Number one, the species which cannot adapt fast enough becomes extinct or becomes crippled and endangered. Number two, communities are stronger and far safer than individuals. Especially when you look at uh, animals which are designed to be communities like humans. And I think that's a huge advantage to a species is if they have communities. And number three, we need to be constantly vigilant of change. If you don't see it coming, those are the ones that are going to hurt you the most, I think. And they're the ones that are most dangerous. Number one, yeah, okay, so let's go back and see them in more detail. The species which can become extinct are the ones which cannot adapt fast enough to rapid change. Interestingly, we can see this in business too. And in business, we can see that it doesn't matter how big your company is. If you are unable to pivot from a market disruption, you can die. Look at Blockbuster. Look at Kodak as examples of massive companies which could not pivot in time to the change in their industry. Blockbuster was replaced by a better service, which was uh, Netflix. Kodak was replaced by digital. See, Kodak probably had time to invest in in creating digital cameras or at least something to do with digital photography. But they weren't fast enough to it. Or maybe they weren't vigilant enough to see it coming. A pivot as well in business, a pivot often doesn't mean completely uprooting your business, but it could mean making one or two tactical changes to the way you do things. Like if we apply this to animation, for example, you could choose to invest more time and energy into promoting your work on another social media platform. It isn't entirely changing what you do, but it is a tactical maneuver that can ensure your prosperity. Or it could be something like choosing to move your subject matter away from commercially, uh, from privately owned IP and copyright properties. If you make game parodies, for example, that's a little bit unsafe. And maybe you want to actually work hard at investing in some original IP which you own. Just an example. There's plenty more examples I could go into, but those are the two that came to mind. Coming together as a community, there's strength and safety in numbers. The way we come together as a community is by helping each other. Some ways you can help each other are, I mean, as animators, you can refer clients to your animator friends. I sometimes do this. You know, if a client comes to me and I'm fully booked, I will send them to one of my friends who's looking for work. It's a very simple thing. I'm not going to get anything out of that client anyway because I'm too busy. So I might as well. It just makes sense. It's helping someone somewhere get work. Um, Sharing useful resources and information. Promoting each other or just... uh, Being there as a friend, being there for moral support with your fellow animators, say encouraging things, that goes a long way. These are ways that we can help each other and come together as a community. Um, They range from very big things that you can do to just small everyday things. And yeah, coming together as a community, this is one reason why I'm really thankful that we have such a great community of people over on Animator Guild community, our Discord group and our second channel. And I see the effects that it is having every day. Even on a small level, I've put questions about software and things in the public chat and received a response with back within seconds. So it's very powerful to have a community like that. Um, and I think everyone benefits from that. 
uh, as long as everyone puts a little bit in, if everyone helps out a little bit, then it works. If no one helps out, then it doesn't work. It falls apart. So um, again, bringing this back to Culpa, we're going to be doing some things in the community, uh, the community chat. Like we've set up a copper uh, channel in the Discord group where we talk about copper. We update uh, the information. I was thinking of also making informal assessments of what videos should be marked as for children. So. Um, for example, someone who's worried that one of their videos could be seen as targeting children, they can send that video into the group chat and then we can all look at it and assess amongst ourselves whether we think there is cause for concern and then from there what to do about it. Um, because I think it's important to get a second opinion from other people when it comes to this because we're not always the best judges of our own uh, our own content we could have sort of wishful thinking and also sharing tactics about what we can do to ensure that we are legally safe and covered and yeah number three about being constantly vigilant of change we need to make predictions about what will happen next and we need to be aware and informed about what is happening in the world currently. Sure, sometimes it's almost impossible to see what's coming around the corner, but when you can then, when you can, then it gives you a massive advantage. Using copper as an example, it's a good thing that we were made aware of this happening ahead of time because it means we won't get caught out before it's too late. We have time now to prepare for it and do what's necessary. And that came about from people spreading the word, uh, spreading the message. So more of that. We need to keep doing that uh, for future problems that come. Um, now thinking about the environment, you know, um, I got this idea about copper from learning and talking about climate change. So in the climate change issue, which I believe is perhaps the greatest issue of our time, along with th the threat of nuclear war, I think those are the two biggest issues of humanity. Um, there are two categories of methods used to fight it. There's mitigation and there's adaptation. So the best way to deal with a problem is to not have the problem happen in the first place. So if you can see it coming and stop it before it does become a thing, that's probably the best solution. Especially if you if it's uh, if the problem can cause irreversible damage like it does with climate change or with smashing revenue from channels um you know comparisons can be made there I think. But if you try as hard as you can to mitigate the problem and it becomes inevitable for reasons outside of your control, then the only thing left to do is to adapt. And you notice here that we're not saying complain um, or to quit. You have to try first try to mitigate and then when that doesn't work, you have to adapt. So yeah, a little bit more advice, I guess, or thoughts. Um, diversifying, diversification. This is really key in business, I think. It's the key to a stable business. And this is the difference, I think, between building your house on sand versus building your house on stone. It gives you a solid foundation and it reduces the risk of your business. It means that something like the Federal Trade Commission can't just in one swoop completely diminish your income to zero. It doesn't have that power because you would be spread across different things which are affected by different things. Um, if you have multiple income streams for your business, then it only takes, then if it takes one hit like if one of those things takes a hit you still have other 
one's other sources of income making you money. So it would be like a 10% reduction compared to a 100% reduction if you have 10 different income streams. If they're equally spread out enough. And as well as this for diversifying, you can also have these dormant backup options which you can activate in case you hit a patch where you really need the money. So not all of these income streams need to be active all the time. You can have dormant methods where you just know that if I needed to, I could activate that. I could start making money from that. And I want to get into some examples about this because I was talking about it on the Discord, posting some of my ideas for this. And some of these I use, some of them I don't use, but I could use. Um, and there are more, but I, these are the ones I could think of right now. Um, so Patreon, of course, uh, that's a great one. And I have a Patreon, I run it and I'm really grateful for everyone who has been helping me on Patreon. Um, that operates completely separately from YouTube. It's a different business. Now, the FTC is a very big, powerful um, government body. And so, you know, Patreon isn't immune to that. But right now, the focus is on YouTube. So meanwhile, Patreon is working just fine. And so that will hopefully keep happening, even if something on bad on YouTube happens. So that's one that I recommend. Um, affiliate marketing. I use affiliate marketing. I just, uh, it's quite easy to set up with Amazon and you can just create these affiliate links to products. I get a lot of people ask me things like, what tablet do you use? What software do you use? And so naturally I link them to the products that I use. But when I do that, I make it an affiliate link. Just changing it from an ordinary link to an affiliate link means that if that person then goes on to buy the product, I gain a, a small commission on it. It's very small, but if you do it enough times, it adds up. So that's a good one. Building an email newsletter. This is like a different way of having subscribers. Subscribers are kind of like a newsletter, but it's... Um, it's reliant on YouTube working. And we've seen that with the algorithm and with the homepage of YouTube that subs subscription inboxes are, are less important than they were. So building an email newsletter is a way of having subscribers but, but not reliant on the YouTube platform and it goes directly to their inbox. So you can f contact these email subscribers and it doesn't matter where they are in the world where they move to, whether they go off of YouTube, they'll always have email. Setting up freelance commissions page. This is obviously something that I've got a lot of experience in. Um, if you're a YouTube animator, let's say you're a story time animator, well, setting up commissions can, that, that, has nothing to do with YouTube income and it's a way that you can make money from your animation skill. So that's an option. Um, live, live streaming on Twitch. Uh, I don't personally do that a lot. I have done it in the past, but I didn't, uh, I didn't do it properly, but you can do that. It will probably still be affected by the FTC, but it's something different. Uh, selling merch, selling prints, print-on-demand services are really good for this, like Printful, Teespring. It's an income stream. You know, it's separate from your ad revenue. If your ad revenue takes a hit, you'll still be selling merch. You'll still be making revenue that way. Uh, selling online downloads as well, you could put into that. Um, video sponsorships and endorsements. I've been trying to set up more of these. It's a bit difficult to set up, but once you've got a system for setting them up, they can be a good replacement of ad revenue. Um, 
selling stock visuals. This is one I haven't actually explored, but it's always been there as an option. As someone who creates visuals, you can sell them to stock websites. Well, you actually put them on stock websites to be bought by, by people. And the idea is that you put them on this marketplace and people can buy a license to use it. And every time they buy a license to use it, you you get money sent to you. So you're basically selling the same footage again and again and again instead of a commission. And that's a lot more scalable. But it's a little bit difficult because you don't know what is going to be popular with people. And a lot of the time, what is popular is kind of weird, like maybe unexpected. Like all those images you see of like a man in a business suit at a laptop with his hands in his head, on his head, just clutching his head, that's a stock photo. Someone's taken a photograph of that with the purpose of selling it multiple times and distributing it on a website like Shutterstock. Um, Envito Market is another stock website that does everything stock related, stock audio, visuals, websites, everything. Um, it's a big market, you know, it's a big industry and it's completely democratized. Like anyone can step into that industry, make some visuals and start making money from them. Um, building expertise in a niche subject. So this is a lot more general now, but I, I believe that building expertise in a niche subject to sell as maybe a consulting service is a, is a very good thing to have up your sleeve. Um, so consulting service is basically you're using your knowledge and experience to help someone who's going through something and it can, it's usually applied to business, um, but it can be applied to pretty much anything. If you're an expert in something and someone needs that expertise, they can just hire you per hour to hand over that expertise to them and to be a decision maker for them and give them advice and i think the more niche you go with this the better because then you can be the only person who can do that you know like for me i think um like one of the things i get hired to do as a consultant is um animation training and animation pipelines so explaining how a, a production pipeline in 2D animation works, what softwares to use and in what order and in what way. Um, that's something I can do. I know all about that. And um, there are people who want that, who need it to train their teams or to train students. Um, kind of in the same vein is school tuition. So this is again, selling your expert knowledge, but this time you can sell it to students. You can actually become a teacher in, and this works in pretty much any field. You need teachers for any kind of expertise. And that's why it's so good. You can do it in anything. Um, the other thing that's kind of with diversifying is investing. So I think that you should invest a good portion of your earnings in anything really but investing it instead of having it locked up in a bank that way your money is actually working for you your money is making you money um, I personally like to buy stocks bonds commodities and I do this through social trading so I'm not actually buying and selling I'm not swing trading I'm kind of putting money on someone else what I'm really doing is um there's like professional traders. It's their job to look at the markets, analyze the markets and carefully buy and sell stocks and bonds, commodities, things like that, and make a profit each month. And so basically what I do is there's now software that's very easy to download and use where you just copy the activity of that person I hope I explained that correctly. Look, just look up social trading. Um, also, just 
make sure that you learn fully how that works before doing it because you also risk losing money this way. So set up a sensible stop loss and do your research. Uh, there are other methods as well that are just really quick. So some of these methods take a long time, like building expertise in a certain subject to teach or consult. That's That can take years, but others you can do very quickly. Like driving an Uber as a as a potential way, like a side hustle that you can do just for quick income. If you quickly need a burst of a few hundred dollars for a bill or something, Uber is perfect for that. You just download the app, you get in your car, assuming you have a car, and you do that for a day, you can make a quick burst of money. So um, it depends what you need at what time. I think that it's important to invest in these long things, things that take a long time, like investing in expert skills. Yes, it takes longer, but that means that you're set up for life. Like once you have it, you are you are set. But it's also just good to have these short ones that you can step into very quickly, just in case you need that. Okay, so um, the other thing I wanted to say Again, going back to Culpa, is don't panic too much. Try not to panic. Use your head. Panicking is a rational response, so I understand why people are panicking. But does it serve you well? When I was first learning about Culpa, it was at a time where everyone was really worried about this. It was about a week or two ago now, I think. And so naturally, everything I was seeing was just very alarmist. I was really worried about this. And there were a lot of alarmist videos to kind of back that up and not really anyone saying, let's just calm down here for a minute. So I said to myself, look, I'm going to give myself today to worry. Today, I'm allowing myself to worry and panic and talk to people about it, talk to my mom about it and just tell her it and just be like oh this is so crazy and then after today I'm done with worrying I'm just going to take action I'm going to think strategically about it I'm going to be emotionally removed from it I'm just going to be thinking about security and how to overcome this you know but not the emotional part of it Because after that, there's nothing more, like, after I've taken action, when there's nothing more I can do for myself and for others, I'm just going to sit back and relax because the rest of it is out of my control. I can only be worried over the things that I can control. And past that, once I've done everything in my power to make sure that I'm safe and doing what I can, then you got to just relax. It's completely wasted energy to worry about something that you can't control. And I think the same goes for complaining. You know, it's soothing to complain. It's instinctive to complain. But it doesn't actually help you or others. So give yourself a little time to complain just let it out so it's not pent up inside you because that could be bad for you and then once you've done that once you've had a little complaint then move on from it like be done with it go back to being a cold calculating machine who gets things done that's what i that's what i try to do at least i don't know i try to be a bit mechanical about it you can't just you know putting emotion into everything it's just it's exhausting, you know. Um, and it doesn't always get good results. Put emotion where it counts, you know. Make a story and put loads of emotion, loads of your emotion into the story. Um, yeah, and, and also understanding people's intentions. You know, a lot of people are really confused about it. They're getting mixed signals. They don't know what to think about this. What I'm thinking is I'm trying to understand people's intentions and I think this that 
is where you can figure out a lot. Once you know the information that's happening, from there to make predictions, I think you can find out a lot by seeking to understand what a person gains from something. So think about it in that way, I think. And, and that can be, that can help you. I think it really helped me with understanding the copper situation and predicting what would happen next, I suppose, and thinking about how worried should I be about this? Am I going to be affected? For example, like I noticed at Copper's press release, the guy who was doing the press release, he, he used some pretty alarming, violent imagery in his analogy of shooting fish in a barrel the fish being YouTubers. I mean, shooting fish in a barrel. Why did he choose that analogy? You know, that's that's the kind of analogy that makes people really scared. He's a big, powerful... You know, the FTC is a big, powerful entity. Why would they use that on small YouTubers? And I think it's because the FTC wants to scare YouTubers into compliance. This is just my opinion. I don't have anything to back this up. It's just what I'm thinking here. But I think that that's the FTC wants YouTubers to be scared so that they comply, so that they take it seriously and they monitor themselves. It makes sense, right? And it worked. You know, it sure worked for me. That was scary when they said that. But at least I'm aware that of its effect on me and I'm aware that it was most likely deliberate. And that also makes me think the opposite, which is that it's a little bit of a bluff. It's not completely a bluff. Like there's still danger, of course, but they are flexing their muscles. They are, they want you to be scared and so it's a little bit inflated, I think. People have taken that clip of the guy saying that and panicked. And I, that's understandable. That is understandable. But um, yeah, just maybe keep things like that in mind. Think about YouTube as well. Really, at the moment, YouTube wants YouTubers to protest. They want to direct all of that back at Copper. So... It's also kind of in YouTube's interest to for people to be scared, which is kind of sick when you think about it. Uh, I'm still working on it. I'm still thinking about it. I, I don't have all the answers, but this is kind of my protest, my, my process, sorry. I think of what people stand to gain from something, what people want. And if you can work that out, then you can kind of... Uh, get a clearer picture maybe i don't know that's just my what i'm throwing in there okay i'm, I'm gonna add some more information in here just uh, just in case uh some people need to be need it repeated for them uh i just want to make very clear that the number one priority when it comes to copper is making sure you're not going to be sued that's the main thing that everyone needs to look out for. And beyond that, you know, none of it's really a threat in, in comparison. Um, getting sued is the, the worst case scenario, of course. And so you just need to make sure that that doesn't happen. If you're not yet an LLC company or, or a business, if you don't have a business set up, set up a business. That way they won't sue you personally. They'll sue your business get business insurance as well and number one thing before you do either of them get legal advice from someone who's actually licensed to give legal advice because I'm not but you know from one friend to another those are the three steps I would strongly recommend so I, I felt like that needed repeating from there the problems really aren't as bad but there are things that you can do to just stay out of trouble, stay out of being demonetized. So there are measures you can take, things like going back through all of your videos and removing any tags that could be seen as child targeted. 
Um, that's something you can do after video, long after videos have been posted. You can update your thumbnails. You could desaturate your thumbnails potentially. I'm not going to, uh, but someone could. If they're on the fringe and they think, oh, I just want to make a few changes just to make sure there's no mistaking it, then that's something you can do. You can desaturate all your thumbnails by replacing them with desaturated versions. Um, that is if you have them backed up, which you should. You could also potentially change the terminology in your titles and description to have uh, certain words, to choose certain words which are just um, not in basic vocabulary. Technical words are good, I think. Um, talking about technical subjects which are clearly in higher levels of education that 13-year-olds um, wouldn't be taught in schools, for example. If you can if you can bring certain words into there which are in that uh, level of vocabulary technical vocabulary i think that's something you can do and yes this is surface level stuff but at the end of the day if you were to have your channel flagged then they're going to have a person look at look at it and make an assessment and you know that costs money um, the more people they do it to, the more money it's going to cost them. So it could be that, you know, when when it gets to that point and there's a human looking over your stuff, they just give it one little sweep with their eyes and have a look at it, make these surface level assessments because they don't have time to go through every video. Um, there's too much footage. These things could make a difference. Uh, you shouldn't base all of your hope on that, but I think if you're, and this is for people who think they're sitting on the on the fringe of this and they want to just make sure, get this advice checked, please. I'm just uh, talking about things that, you know, if I was in that situation, this is what I would do. Don't take it as like the final word on it. But there are things like that. Be inventive with ways that you can rebrand your channel. And all of these methods can be something that you do moving forward from here. So not just for your past videos, but for things you're going to do in the future on YouTube. And you can also rebrand your channel in the videos that you have coming up to to uh, January 1st. So maybe it's a little bit late for that at this point when this podcast is coming out. But yeah, start rebranding. Um, and what I should say with the rebranding is I strongly advise that you don't make a wild swing in the opposite direction uh, for example using profanity in your content unnaturally unless it comes naturally to you and that's just your the brand you want to put forward don't feel like you have to swing wildly in the opposite direction and put um, adult rated things violence uh, and things like that in because then you know then you're definitely not going to be monetized like that's just as bad almost i've also heard a lot of people talk about switching platforms that they're going to up and move to another platform like vimeo uh, Newgrounds. uh if you want to you can i don't think i think that's a bit drastic i don't think that will be needed but if you want to do that anyway you can um what I think is that it's good to be on Newgrounds, it's good to be on Vimeo as well as YouTube because just the more people that see it, the better. It doesn't take much longer time to upload to a few other platforms just to spread your videos as far as they'll go. And that's just smart anyway. Um, that's what I do with my animations. I don't put my video content on Newgrounds because it's not suitable for what they want, but I... I always put my animations, my finished animations on Newgrounds anyway. So do that anyway, you know, like it shouldn't be just because of Copper that you decided to uh, start putting your animations up on different platforms. I don't know. I think you should still use YouTube because I think YouTube will survive this no problem. It's massive. YouTube is enormous and there are no competitors that are a threat to YouTube right now that I can see. None. So I really do think that YouTube will survive. You you just got to realize the scale of YouTube, I think, to understand that. 
that's my opinion could be wrong but that's that's what i think so yeah and and you know end the year with a bang i'd say and and do loads of content make make loads of stuff why not um before the trouble sets in you might you might as well i think from what i've been seeing in the in the chat a lot of people who really it's not going to affect them it just doesn't look that way they are still freaking out about it like it's it's just everyone's freaking out about it whether they target children or not they believe it could affect them and um it's going to be a lot more specific than just general uh animators from what i can see that is and you know there's different levels it could turn out as it could turn out as a complete false alarm it could turn out as not being as bad as what it was predicted it can it could turn out as being as bad as predicted or it could turn out as being worse than predicted um have a plan for each one so have a plan for if it's uh turns out to not be as bad as people were saying you know have a plan for it if it's a false alarm if it doesn't end up being a thing you should have planned for that keep that prepared because that could be a thing or if it's worse definitely prepare for that you know you want to hope for the best prepare for the worst and you know with most of these problems there's usually com- there's uh there's opportunities that come out of it i remember seeing someone this is kind of unrelated but i i met a guy once who was about i think he was like 16 years old and he had made a very successful company uh from giving legal advice to companies i think it was like consulting and legal advice to companies during the time when gdpr laws were coming in and all the companies had to update their their legal contracts to state when they were collecting data on uh, customers and and users gdpr look it up um it it's a thing that happened a few years ago you'll remember that pretty much every company under the sun had to update their terms and conditions so he massively profited off of a big shift where everyone was really upset by this thing that happened and he saw an opportunity there so just uh i mean you either you you either see it or you don't uh, he saw it he he saw the opportunity but you know it's just a good time to to keep a lookout for these things and in case it wasn't obvious from the rest of this podcast I'm not put off by this. I'm not going to slow down. I am more motivated than ever. I was operating at 100% before and now I'm in overdrive. You know, I'm determined. I I'm making more content than ever before. I'm starting a podcast right now. This is probably going to be episode 2 when it comes out. Continuing with the videos, making online courses. I'm doing loads of stuff. And so I suggest the same, you know, why uh why slow down? And look, I I want to be here for people um who are struggling more with this than I am. So if you have any questions that you think me specifically if you think I can answer them for you or help you with it, um leave them in the comments, but really go to the Discord group and I'm going to try and uh, focus my efforts there. Um, and yeah, ask questions and it would be great if we got some people uh, coming into the Discord group who know more about it than me and can provide solutions and can console people and uh, help them to to overcome this. That would be amazing. But I'm not really interested in people who are whinging about it. Um I, I it just it annoys me <laughs> frankly all right i think i've said enough about that okay well we've got some time left on the clock on this episode so i think i'm going to take the opportunity to answer a couple of questions that you've sent in to me um i've picked out two here which i think are loosely relevant to 
the subject matter that we're talking about here about adaptation about adapting ourselves and changing over time uh, so Prince F Rajasekha Rajasekha sorry if I uh, didn't get that right he asks me what do you think you will be doing in your 50s sub question in brackets I ask this because animation is a very time-consuming and painstaking task are you planning to do the same thing over and over again for the rest of your life it seems like he's kind of preparing like he's expecting that my answer will be no that I'll want to change uh, because he's listed uh, a, a reason that maybe I wouldn't um, first of all I, I hope I'll be alive <laughs> in my 50s that would be great um, so far so good um, and yeah I hope I'll be alive in a secure position with my family um, maybe with a family of my own hopefully uh, by the age of 50 and doing something creative for sure uh, past that I really can't tell by the time I'll have been in my 50s I'll have been alive for twice the length that I am alive now so things can be quite different or they could be quite similar I don't know I'm planning on jumping from strength to strength of course that's been my approach up until now and it's worked well for me um, so I certainly do not want to remain in the same place I am now um, I want to keep getting better I keep wanting to move on to things that I think are better of course and just riding that up and up and up so when I have a success in one thing you know I'll try a bunch of stuff and then maybe I'll have success in one thing and I'll use that success to find more successes because I think that success is um, exponential in that way um, and it just makes sense to do that it's tactically what works um, yeah every year I want to be better than the last year and hopefully that will all compound and I'll be able to make some big splashes. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, animation is the roots and the trunk of a tree that is growing, uh, I guess you could say, in metaphors. And from there, the branches and leaves go out in all different directions. So you've got filmmaking, design, uh, websites, marketing, business, music, entertainment, fine art, writing, teaching. These are all things that I'm interested in and things that you know you can move on to from animation animation allows you to just step off into those things and way more so i'd be happy to pursue all of those things and um i guess i'll see which activity overlaps in the most of my needs like something which i can find enjoyable which also pays well which helps the world that would be a good start if it did all three of them and you know you got to find it you got to try things and see what works and currently that thing is animation and i know how to make animation tick all of those boxes so uh next question i've only got two here um, zesto asks what do you tell people you meet who ask you what you do for a living and do you ever plan to move on from YouTube? Okay, that's two questions, so I guess I'll answer both of them. When people ask me what I do for a living, I just tell them that I'm an animator. It's faster to say and easier to understand. I actually think I'm more of a general purpose animation producer than a pure animator. So in deeper conversation, I would say that I'm a freelance animation producer or a, you know, a, a generalist. Uh, 2d animator something like that um, people usually like the response when we're in small talk let's say we're at a bar or something I don't go to many bars but that kind of thing a social event um, everyone has had some con contact with animation in their lives and I think it's also something that everyone can understand a lot of people light up when they hear that there's an animator you know they think oh animation I know that or like oh, animation I want to talk to this guy um, it's it's not intimidating you know I think everyone can approach that in some way 
they can say oh i love secret of nymph that's like my favorite childhood film or something like that they'll they'll say something like that and in that way everyone can connect with it which is nice um sometimes i adapt the approach like uh i was at dinner once with a, a friend and i i just knew that he likes to party he likes to go to parties he likes music so i told him about a particular commission that i worked on where uh it was for Osius Klein where we designed the visuals for a music festival that you know the kind of music visuals that could go with the music in a festival on a big screen so then that way he could connect to what i was doing and understand it from that kind of point of view and say oh okay yeah i understand that i've seen i've been to these music venues i've seen these music visuals that they have on in the background cool you know so sometimes you have to adapt it like that or you don't have to but it can be nice to adapt it so that people understand in a, in a way um okay the second part of zesto's question was do you ever plan to move on from youtube uh youtube i have no real internal loyalty to youtube as a platform so i don't feel I don't really feel that. I I do like the platform. I think it it serves the needs of my channel very well and it helps me to reach a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise know about me or have found out about me. And most important most importantly it is an audiovisual platform and that's what it's designed for. It's designed for audiovisual experience, film essentially. Uh it's got a 16 by 9 ratio which I I'm very happy with uh if you look at something like Instagram I just don't think that a square ratio is good for film or or an oblong you know a tall ratio because of the way our eyes are um the way our eyes work we have binocular vision that is uh panoramic it's it's wide um so i i just don't find that natural to 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 work with but maybe i would in the future i don't know um but it, for now i'm very happy with youtube and i don't really have a plan uh in motion to 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 move on but um you got to think about the platform and what it's designed for what the people who made the platform intended it for for example i wouldn't make a it wouldn't make sense for me to put all of my energy into a wordpress blog about animation because wordpress isn't suited for animation wordpress is for blogging for written content i do have the dream of making something for the big cinema screen someday though but i'm binding my i'm biding my time playing the long game until the right opportunity comes along then i will give it my best shot i'm waiting until everything aligns but yeah you bet i want to make a feature length film in my lifetime at least one at least one and hopefully if that one does well then i'll keep making them and that to me is the ultimate achievement of a filmmaker really and that's what gets you into the history books alongside the great filmmakers of the past i feel like the feature film format on the big screen is what can connect you to historically the greats all the way back to Chaplin, Hitchcock, Disney, etc. So, you know, I I would consider that a huge honor to be able to create to 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 be given the resources and the grounds to create a feature length film. It's a big task. It's like for a climber you know that's like going to nepal and climbing mount everest it's a big achievement it's a big honor to to do that um or maybe k2 is a better example i don't know that's a, that's a harder mountain to climb um but you get the idea it's like it's very it's a very big honor big achievement and uh i wouldn't waste it i would really i want to plan for it and i want to get much better first um because as a feature filmmaker you only get one shot if your first film isn't good if it if it doesn't work as a director it's very hard to do a second one you need your first film to do very well 
to get the confidence of uh, investors or yeah whichever way you're doing it so yeah those are my extra questions i hope that's just added something else extra to this podcast uh tried to pick some that were in the theme but uh i don't know it was fun anyway all right last words to end this on uh join us on discord especially if you're someone who feels like you may be affected by copper we have a channel on the discord for that but also if you just want a place to chill and you're an animator or you're a creative person everyone's welcome and uh yeah stay positive stay strong let's all come together nature has shown us that there's strength and safety in numbers let's come together and have each other's backs all right i'll talk to you again in the next one goodbye